We're talking today about the power of the word of God. The Bible tells me it is not just an ordinary word. It is the living word of the living God. And I want you to know this. If you can get the word of God into your soul, you're going to be filled with the power, the same power that made the universe, that made the stars. It is the power of God. God's word will give you wisdom. We need it in today's world. There is one entire book devoted to wisdom, and wisdom is more than knowledge. Today, we've got more knowledge than we know what to do with, but wisdom is far more than knowing stuff. I had a young person come to me not long ago, and he said, Pastor Carter, I've discovered a book in the Bible. He said, it's, it's exciting, it's amazing. It talks about marriage, it talks about just about everything. He said, it's, it's absolute, I've been trying to get him to read it. He said, it's, it's amazing. Have you ever heard of it? The book of Proverbs. A book which is crammed full of the wisdom of God. If you read that book and other parts of the Bible, you're going to be able to make these decisions. How can I choose the right profession? Now, dear friend of mine in this church lost his job this week here in America because he stood up for Christ. I said to him, that's the best thing that ever happened to you. You lost your job because you stood up for Christ. I want you to know, my friend, if the devil takes anything from you, God has got something a million times better for you. You see? So how can I choose the right profession? How can I choose the right wife? How can I choose the right husband? Are you folks listening? How can I choose the right investment? I want to show you a grossly misunderstood text in the Bible. Come over here to Matthew 7, verses 1 and onwards. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and onwards. And I'm going to tell you what it means, and I'm going to save you from a real delusion. Matthew 7, and these are the words of our blessed Lord, who saved us with his own precious blood on the cross. Matthew 7, you folks got it? Tell me, have you got it? Okay, do not judge. Or you too will be judged. For in the same way you, you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank <laughs> in your own eye? What's it talking about? Saying, don't condemn people when your sins are worse than their sins. Don't try to read their hearts. You're not walking in that person's shoes. Jesus was talking there about the sin of Phariseeism, which is alive today in the church and in the world. So Jesus said, don't condemn people when you can't read their hearts, but today there are people who are saying a Christian is not allowed to judge anything. They say, we have been told we are not allowed to judge in any situation. 
All lifestyles are the same. You can't talk about lifestyle. You can't say this action or activity is wrong because Jesus said, don't judge. Now, a text without a context is a pretext. (laughs) You've been along before, haven't you? And I want you to notice I think it's in the same chapter where Jesus talks about spiritual discernment. Oh, before we read that, come over here to John 7. Then we're going to come back to that chapter. John chapter 7 and verse 24. Jesus said, John 7, 24, stop judging by mere appearances and make, what did he say? Jesus said, make a right judgment. Jesus said, don't judge in a foolish, superficial way, which is simply based on outward appearances. But Jesus said, make a right judgment. Now, listen carefully, because what I'm going to say is important. Come over here to Matthew 7, back to the same chapter. Remember, a text without a context is a... Pretext, thank you, that's good. Matthew 7, 15 and onwards. Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruits, you will recognize them. Look at me. Jesus said, you better judge a right judgment by their fruits. Let me give you an illustration. I've gone to the Soviet Union, been back, gone there 42 times, plan still to go and run campaigns. Jesus said, judge by the fruits of the life. I have looked, and I say this with Christian courtesy, I have looked at the fruits of militant atheism. I've looked at the fruits of Marxism, and I have made a right judgment. It's bad. The fruit is bad. That's why I don't want anybody to follow it. I've gone to some countries where they worship pagan gods. I'm thinking of one country where they worship more than a million gods. And I've gone to that country and I love those people and we want to help those people and we want to help them because they're in bondage to evil, evil gods. And the fruitage is seen in poverty 
terrible discrimination against women, the abuse of children, particularly little baby girls, the fruits are bad fruits. Therefore, Jesus said, you need to judge any set of circumstances by the fruits. Getting married. Look at the fruit of the person. Is the person dishonest? Does he tell you, we won't talk about the ladies. Does he tell you lies? Because I want you ladies to know something, and you may not want to hear this, but here it comes. If he lies to you once before you're married, he'll lie to you a million times after he's got you. So the Bible said, Jesus said, by their fruits, is he dishonest? Does he tell lies? Is he unstable? And the Spirit of God, as you read the Word, uh, will give you spiritual discernment. Don't you sometimes wonder about people who don't seem to have the capacity to make right decisions? And they go from one blunder to another blunder. And they say, what's wrong with me? Why can't, why can't I just have got bad luck? No. You don't have spiritual discernment. But if you take Christ into your heart and the word of God into your soul, and if you read particularly the book of Proverbs, God will give you the capacity of making wise decisions. I was talking to my son yesterday. We were talking about a television problem. And I said, well, listen to your mother, David, because she makes really good decisions. You know what he said to me? then why does she marry you? <laughs> he came back as quick as any. Now, David and I are not talking at present, but uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but God will give you the capacity to make wise decisions. Come over here to the book of Proverbs, chapter 2. Proverbs, chapter 2. My son has somewhat a dry sense of humor. I, at least I, I'm hoping that's what it is. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 and onwards. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you cry out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as with hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, I want you to come to another passage here. I want you to come over here to Proverbs 6 and verse 16 and onwards. Proverbs chapter 6, you ready? Proverbs 6, written by one of the wisest men who ever lived. We're going to start at verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates. Well, people say the Lord doesn't hate anything. Well, these six things, six things he does hate. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, proud person. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. God hates a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, 
a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among his brothers. If you let this word get in your soul, you won't want to have a lot of time with a person who causes dissension among his brothers or a person who's haughty and a person who's got a lying tongue. Jesus said, by their fruits, you'll know them. How then shall I read the Bible? With discipline. (laughs) The Methodists were called Methodists because they had a method and they had discipline. This is not a word that a lot of people like. Discipline. We say to God, God, by the grace of God, with the aid of the Holy Spirit, I will give 30 minutes a day to carefully and prayerfully read the word of God. I don't, I don't have that. I will give you. Dear friend of mine is Pastor Willie G. He's been with us on some of our big campaigns overseas, came with us to Papua New Guinea when we had more than 100,000 souls every night. And before he went up to sing, I would go to see where Willie was. You know what Willie would be doing? Supposed to be here today, but Willie got sick. Willie's sitting around the back of the stage and he's got a Bible and Willie is praying in the spirit. He's reading the word. When he comes to our center here and he goes over to the back room to get ready, you go and see Willie. You know what Willie's doing? My friend, I'm just so impressed with that man, but he's, and he's a pastor to gang members here in Los Angeles. Glory be to God. But Willie is sitting over there getting ready for the meeting, and he's not just sitting around doing talk, talk, gossip, gossip. He's reading the Word. The Bible teaches to be filled with the Holy Spirit is the same as to be filled with the Word of God because the Word of God is the Word of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to tell you something. I make a promise to you. If you will start seriously to read the word of God, and if you do it every day, I'm as busy as you are, but if you make a vow, I'm going to read the word of God, a miracle will happen in your life. Do I believe in miracles? Absolutely. I believe in the miracle of Calvary, that Christ died for us. I believe in the miracle of the Holy Spirit. I believe that when people read the word of God, miracles happen to them. The life is changed. Now, many of us have got good intentions, but we've got weak wills. It's like buying an exercise machine. Mm. People buy exercise machines and it dies of rust. <laughs> You got to say, I'm going by God's grace. Jesus, help me. I don't feel like it today, but Jesus, help me. 
and God can take a weak will and make it a strong will because he's the Lord of the universe, my friend. So we start reading the word systematically. Read slowly and bring your mind back. I've been reading the word for more than 50 years, but can I tell you folks something? I gotta bring my mind back because my mind starts to wonder, what am I gonna be, what am I come back. So sometimes I read the chapter at the back and I read it that way. It keeps me concentrating. Would you come over here, please, if you don't mind. Come over here with me to John chapter three. And we're just going to give you a sample of reading the word. This is a little illustration. Now, I know that some of you folks have got lots of problems. God will start solving your problems when you start giving him the word of God in your life. When you say, I'm going to give myself to you and with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to read the word. Come over here to John chapter three. And there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus by night and said, Hey, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. True. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How do I read the word of God? I personalize it. When I read this text, I say, am I born again? Jesus said, I can't be saved unless I'm born again. So I've got to personalize it. And I've got to say, Lord, if I'm not born again, speak to me now and may I be born again through the blood of Christ. Then you keep on reading. Then you come down to verse, start at, we should be reading right through this, but you know, we've got so much time. Verse 14, Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the son of man will be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen to me. How do I personalize this? I say, maybe I'm feeling down, a bit depressed. I say, for God so loved the world, for God so loved John Carter. If there'd been only one sinner, there would have been a cross. For God so loved the world, but God so loved me that he gave his son and his son went to the cross for me. And if I truly believe in him, I will have everlasting life and I will go home to glory. So I should read the word and I should personalize it. But what translation? I love the King James Version. It's the Bible of my old church, the Church of England, translated in 1611. I personally today am using the NIV. But I don't care what translation get. The new King James Version, the good news, the new American standard, you can even do what I'm doing. And it's taken me a long time to get into the 20th century let alone the 21st. I got an iPad. And when I'm on a plane and when I'm flying to South Africa and it's a 16-hour flight, I read through at least three books of the Bible. And when I get out 
In Johannesburg, I am supercharged because of the word of God. So read the word. You all know the story, don't you, about the Titanic, that British ship that went down. What a tragedy. And the lifeboats went out in the water, but the lifeboats weren't even filled. And so as the Titanic was going down and the people were out in the lifeboats and they were looking back, they could see the boat going down. Then a man saw something. <laughs> Won't believe it. Floating, bit of debris. It was a Bible floating on the water. He reached out and he picked it up. It became his constant companion. He was a man without faith in God when he got onto the Titanic, but when he was saved, physically, that book saved his soul. Listen, my friend. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, I commend to you. Here it is. It's pockmarked from the reign of Siberia. I commend to you the living word of the living God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And praise the Lord. And please kneel with me as we pray. Our Father in our beautiful church, here we are. Getting down on our knees. We're here to worship you and to bless you and to praise your holy name. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our blessed Lord. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that on the cross he paid the price for our sins, made a perfect atonement. We thank you today that Jesus is alive and that Jesus saves and that the Holy Spirit is here today in our church. We thank you for giving us this amazing gift the Holy Word, the living Word of the living God. As we're praying today, every head bowed, every eye closed, how many would say this to God with a holy intent, recognizing our weaknesses? How many would say, by the grace of God, I will give to you sometime every day and I will read the Word. I will personalize the word. Can you raise your hand if that is your prayer today? I will read the word. I will personalize the word. I will obey the word. I will revel in the word. I will be washed by the blood of Jesus. My father, we need a contact with you. The world is so wild, so carnal. And we need time with you and the word. Today, Lord, we're lifting our hands and we're saying, wash us in the blood of Christ. 
Put your spirit, the Holy Spirit, in our hearts. Make us the people you want us to be who reflect the name of our Christ. So bless these dear people. Bless the great audience that is watching across the United States of America and around the world. Bless them today. May the word bring them salvation today. So we worship you. We bless you. We praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We say hallelujah. And we say this prayer in Jesus' precious name. For his sake and for his glory. Amen. And amen. 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 It's my privilege today to introduce a very special guest from the great land of India, home to 1.2 billion souls. This brother comes from the city of Rajamundry that I've had the privilege of visiting, and uh, he's engaged in gospel work. I'm so pleased to have with us today Dr. Johnson Jacob. Welcome, my friend. Tell me why you're here. <laughs> yeah, we, we just want you to know that you're welcome. Tell me why you're here at the Carter Report Center in Arcadia. I'm here to translate and interpret the messages of Pastor John Carter into Telugu language to be aired in the television programs in India. We're so glad that you're here, and we say hallelujah, praise the Lord. How many people speak the language? Now, there's 1.2 billion Indians, but they're divided up into various language groups. How many people speak Telugu? Nearly 90 million people speak Telugu, and all the people of Andhra Pradesh are hungry for the Lord's word. And... Uh, we are so thankful that the Carter Report Ministry is giving them a great support by sharing the Lord's message to the television programs and in other ways. Otherwise, the people of Andhra Pradesh are facing many challenges and they do not have any other support anywhere outside of India. We discovered, a Doctor, when we went to India and we ran that great campaign outdoors, in Vaishakapatnam, remember that? We, we noticed, uh, we were tremendously impressed by the hunger of the people for the word of God. Is there, in your field, where we are trying to help, is there an intense desire for people to get to know the gospel of Christ? Yes, sir. They're really looking forward for the gospel ministry of the Carter Report to come back and do the ministry once again. In fact, most of these people, I was told, they were anxiously waiting and praying that they could have this privilege once again. Um, Pastor, we're privileged to have you with us. And today, we tell you, in the name of Jesus, we will stay with you and stand with you in the preaching of the gospel of Christ to the people of India. Thank you for coming. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you.